Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of History Spelunkers, the show where I take a deep dive into an obscure topic from history, and I tell y'all about what I find. I, of course, am your host, Kelvin. I use he, him pronouns, and joining me again today is my wonderful, fantastic, and curious co-host. Say hi. Hi, I'm Jamie. She, her pronouns. Welcome back to the show, Jamie. This will be the first episode coming out after our one-year anniversary. Wow! I can't believe it's been a year. (laughs) I know. Crazy. Crazy. But it's been a pretty successful year. You know, we've gotten a lot of stuff out there, and we've been steadily growing our listenership. So hopefully we'll... Have another year of it. We'll see how things go. (laughs) But uh, if you're ready to dive down into niche history, I thought that with it being summertime, that we would do a subject inspired by a summertime blockbuster. Oh. And so I figured with this being the first summer episode, we might as well start with the first summertime blockbuster. So are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Let's dive down the rabbit hole. remember this but you picked today's episode sort of (laughs) yeah i i gave you a few choices uh of like different topics we could do do you remember oh i do remember this but i don't remember what i picked (laughs) well you chose sharks oh okay 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 (laughs) uh which is like i said very fitting because what is the most, if you think about sharks, 
What is the most famous story about sharks you can think of? Um, Jaws? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da! Exactly. Jaws. Also, this is also very good timing because Sonic just started selling their Shark Week drinks again. Oh, really? Like recently. Wait, Sonic yeah. has Shark Week? Well, it's like one drink. So they had it, I think, for the first time last summer. Okay, I don't so know if it's, it's relatively It's yeah. relatively new. Um, But they only do it, like, around Shark Week. So it's just like... I think it's um an ocean water slush with like strawberry puree and then a couple of shark gummies. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't know they were selling them again yet, but I saw it on someone's like Snapchat story the other day. I don't remember who. Hmm. See, I yeah. always thought Shark Week was later in the summer, but See, that's what I thought too. But maybe they do it for like a whole month. Cuz I know they do it more than just Shark yeah, because just year. a one-week thing isn't really how they're going to get their money out of it. Yeah. But, but I don't know how long they do it, but I thought Shark Week was, like, end of July. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Anyways. Irrelevant, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, Jaws. It was the first summer blockbuster film, uh, the term being... They had lines going around the block at these movie theaters and stuff. But Oh my god, that's what blockbuster means? Yeah, that's where it stems from. It, <laughs> But it has ingrained itself in the popular culture as one of the best movies of all time. You know, it's a staple of the sort of summer action-y, uh, somewhat horror genre. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Jaws? Um, I saw the first one when I was like eight, mm-hmm. and then I never watched it again because it made me scared to go to swim practice, and then I had to go to swim practice anyways. <laughs> I was like dead convinced. You know those like ventilation grates at like the bottom of a pool? Uh-huh. I was dead convinced that the Jaws shark was going to come up out of one of those things and eat me. Yeah. And... I cried because I was like, Mom, don't make me go to swim practice. Don't make me go to swim practice. And she was like, no, you're going, you're going. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I saw it when I was like eight. Um, never saw it again. Yeah, the, I watched it uh, first time. I might have been like 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched it with my grandparents. And mm-hmm. my grandpa really liked the movie. Uh, he thought it was really funny, and so he kept scaring me and my brothers while we were watching it by suddenly, like, screaming and stuff and freaking us out. And uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it it's a great movie. I love it. I've watched it several times since then. I think if I were to watch it now, I would really like it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it is a genuinely good movie. Mm-hmm. And even though it is a horror movie, it's not really scary to like modern. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, there's suspense and some horror gore to it, but it's it, it, there's more to it than that. So, but uh, in case there's anyone listening who hasn't ever seen this film, 
Jaws was a 1975 film directed by the famous Steven Spielberg, and it was based off of a novel of the same name, which was written a year before the movie came out. And the book was actually a huge bestseller, too, which is why the movie got made, and the people that the people who bought the rights for the film actually bought it before the book came out and then used a bunch of money like marketing this stuff, which is why it was so popular and why it made such a big scene. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was, I guess. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the first time there's been a really huge advertisement marketing campaign to like intentionally try to make this film a huge cultural event. But as far as the plot goes, it takes place in a small New England town of Amity Island. And it's during summer and while everyone's just enjoying the nice beach and stuff, a great white shark comes out of nowhere and begins eating several people over the span of a couple of days, mostly teens and children. And a police chief on the island teams up with a scientist and a professional shark hunter to try and track down this killer shark. And famously, they need a bigger boat once they begin that process. And shenaniganeries happen while they are on this boat hunting the shark. And yeah, that's the plot of the movie, basically. Um, I'm not going to go into it because too in-depth because <laughs> you should just watch the movie. Uh, but famously, uh, like I said, there's more to it than just the shark. There's a lot of undertones about family structures, masculinity, uh, political corruption. There's a lot to it. I guess all that kind of goes over your head when you're, when you're little. Yeah, whenever you're really little and <laughs> you don't understand. It's like, why don't they just shut down the beaches, you know? It's, why are they so stupid? <laughs> but yeah, it, it, great movie. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, go watch it again. But uh, a lot of people loved it. It became the highest grossing film in the world at that point in time. And ever since then, Hollywood has been trying to recapture the moment whenever they caught lightning in a bottle. And so, like many other great movies, they have made not-so-great sequels. In the 12 years following Jaws, there were three different sequels that came out. And uh, I have had the pleasure of seeing all of them at one point <laughs> or another. And uh, <laughs> they are something, that's for sure. I've seen the one where they're like, I think they're trapped in a submarine or something. Um, I just remember that one scene where he's like, shark swimming in front of the windows on the submarine or whatever they're in. 
and it literally looks like a sticker moving, like shuffling across the screen. I know which movie you're talking about, and I'll tell you whenever we get to it. Um, okay. Yeah. So Jaws two uh, was the most successful of all the sequels because it was the first one, and everyone thought it was going to be super amazing. Also. It was the highest grossing sequel of all time until Rocky II came out a couple years after. And Jaws 2 had the famous tagline of just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water, which was chef's kiss, right? (laughs) However, they weren't very original with the whole plot. It follows the same police officer. He's arguing with the same townspeople over whether or not this shark exists and is killing people. And it kills a bunch of teenagers and he has to go out and rescue a bunch of teenagers that are stranded on an island that the shark is attacking, whatever. And uh, he even kills the shark in a very similar way. In fact, uh, all the sharks die in very similar ways. Uh, oh, so it's a different shark every movie? Yeah, it's a different shark. Uh, because oh. it takes place oh. <laughs> probably like five years after the events of the first film. Oh. But, yeah. I thought it was like the same shark in every movie, and they just suck at killing it. No, no, because uh, that wouldn't work out very well, because basically every movie, well, not basically, all the movies end with the shark being blown up. Oh. Uh, I mean, I guess there's one way to kill a shark. Yeah, in, in the first movie, uh, oh, he, he says a line with it, too. Uh, oh, let me see what the line is. Okay, so the first movie, the shark dies whenever the, the boat's sinking. They've managed to get a scuba tank stuck in the shark's mouth and the police officer officer brody he shoots the tank with a gun and it explodes and he says smile you son of a bitch and (laughs) yeah right so yeah and then so that's how the first shark dies in the second one he gets the shark to bite down on an underwater electric cable Mm-hmm. And it's wet, it fries itself, and it explodes, basically. Mm. Much more of, like, an action-y film. The horror is kind of gone from it. And uh, mm-hmm. after that point, the movies begin to fall off even further. In 1983, Jaws 3D came out. And, uh... Jaws 3D. Yeah. It... It changed things up a little bit. It follows the grown-up kids of the police officer. And this time, they are in Florida at SeaWorld Orlando, which is a real place. I don't know why they would let themselves be represented as such in this film the way they are. But I guess it's any publicity is good publicity. But anyways, they're at SeaWorld, they're opening up a new exhibit, and a great white shark manages to break into the exhibit, and it terrorizes the tourists. 
Huh. SeaWorld manages to capture it, and it puts it in an aquarium, mm-hmm. which great white sharks have never been kept in captivity, ever. And so that's, like, the novelty of the thing, is that they've managed to capture one. Well, it dies, then they realize, oh, this is only a baby great white shark. Where's its mama? And then bigger great white starts killing everybody in SeaWorld. Oh, because she's mad because her baby's dead. Basically, yeah. And this is the movie that you, I think you are remembering, because (laughs) a lot of the danger in this one is that one of the exhibits is like those underwater tunnels uh-huh. that, you know, you look up and you see the thing. Well, it goes, it's one of those underwater tunnels gets basically sealed off and there's people trapped in there and the shark is trying to break in. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask, why don't the people just leave SeaWorld? Yeah, it's... Like... <laughs> They, they realize that there is another shark around, like, last second, and oh. all these people get trapped in the tunnel because the shark is trying to eat them or whatever. And Then they manage to get the shark trapped, and they free the people, but then it starts... It's... Yeah. Bunch of shark shenanigans of them being very incompetent at trapping a shark. Um... But they are saved by dolphins. And then they kill the shark by throwing a hand grenade in its mouth. And then the fourth and final sequel is... It's the worst. (laughs) Because it completely ignores the events of the third film. It just does not happen. It is a straight sequel from the second film. Mm -hmm. Um... This time, though, they're in the Bahamas, and we follow the wife of this police officer who is convinced that the sharks are out to get them because of what her husband did in the very first movie. And So, so it follows the same, like, police officer each time? It's his same family, yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, and so, yeah, this one is called Jaws Revenge. Um, and its tagline is, this time it's personal. So, uh, of course. Uh, That's so cheesy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they're like in the Bahamas. The son has become like a marine biologist or something. And the shark comes up and attacks them while they're on vacation. And the mom is going insane thinking that it's the same shark from the first movie. But yeah, the shenanigans happen, and this shark dies because the wife is driving a sailboat, and she manages to ram the sailboat into the shark, and so the shark explodes. Okay. (laughs) They literally use the same explosion footage from the first film. Uh-uh. In the death scene. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you already have the footage, why spend the money to create more? But it, it's so stupid. You ram it with a wooden boat, and so it explodes. But yeah. That's so weird. So cheesy. Yeah, but that's all the Jaws movies. And uh, 
Yeah, they, it's a big cultural zeitgeist thing. Even though the sequels are absurd and crazy, the, the movies themselves are a popular enough of a cultural event that I'm not going to spend the whole podcast just talking about them. It's not niche enough. <laughs> Instead, the main story of this episode will be about the event that served as the primary inspiration for the novel, and then by extension, the entire franchise. So, we will be discussing the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916. Hmm. Have you heard of these? No, I have not. Good, good, excellent. Then... (laughs) then I have done my job well. (laughs) So, seeing Jaws made you scared of swimming in a pool. Have you ever swam in the ocean? Um, only as far as I could stand, because I have this fear of water that I can't see through. Oh. Um, And so it just makes me super nervous to, like, not be able to stand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I... Like, swam in the ocean, technically, but... Yeah, I, I I meant more, like, yeah, you can stand out kind of a ways in different pieces, yeah. but, yeah, I meant, like, fully, you're out treading water in the ocean and stuff. Uh, it was a great time, in my opinion. I, I've enjoyed it. Oh, God, I don't think I'd ever be able to do that. I think the whole time I'd be so stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's times where it's like, okay, I, I need to start swimming in the opposite direction now. Uh <laughs> But, I'd be like, something's about to grab me. I know it. Something's about to grab me. Yeah. Well, uh, swimming in the ocean, and I mean really swimming in general, has not always been the popular go-to fun item of the summer. Because, I mean, leisure time in general is a very new concept in American society. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't have to go too far back, and then you find that you got the uptight Victorians who would faint if they saw your ankles, let alone strip down to go swimming in the ocean. <laughs> they, they got other things that they would do for fun at the top of their to-do list. But around the turn of the century, the attitudes were beginning to change, and this type of thing, going swimming both for both sexes, out publicly was becoming a more and more popular leisure activity. Mm -hmm. And the summer of 1916 saw a huge boost in the number of people that were going on vacations to the coast um, because there was a heat wave and there was also an outbreak of polio that summer. And so people were looking to get out of the big cities and try and be healthy and all that stuff out in nature i guess for them so yeah you know it it was beginning to be a fun time there's going to be a nice easy going summer everyone's going out to the beach one of these people uh was charles epting van sant he's a 28 year old from philadelphia and he had just arrived on the Jersey Shore in the town of Beach Haven, 
with his family, and they are going to enjoy the 4th of July weekend. Mm-hmm. And he was out there on the beach. He swam out into the water, and he's playing with his dog, trying to get the dog to swim out to him and such. And uh, I'm going to throw out a quick trigger warning for the rest of the episode because shark attacks, and there's some gruesome stuff that goes along with shark attacks. So be warned. Anyway, so Charles is swimming out in the ocean, trying to get the dog to swim out to him. Some people began to notice a dark shadow in the water with him. And they tried to get his attention, but he was too busy trying to get the dog's attention um, that it was too late. Because it was at that point Charles began screaming. And uh, he was about chest deep in the water. And he began screaming and thrashing around. The lifeguard, Alexander Ott, who was actually a friend of Charles... And a bystander on the beach ran out into the water to get him and see what the issue was. And as they drug him out of the water, they noticed that a shark was following them to the shore and basically having attacked Charles. And it followed mm-hmm. until it was too shallow for it to continue after them. They took Charles to a nearby hotel and they were unfortunately unable to save him from dying of blood loss because all of the flesh on his left thigh had been ripped away. It was missing down to the bone. Jeez. So yeah, shark attack. At the time, most people, including marine biologists and experts in the field, did not believe that sharks attacked humans. They thought that humans were too large to be mistaken for prey, and they just thought sharks were not that aggressive of creatures in general. And and so they really downplayed the possibility that a shark had done this or... You know, if it was a shark had done this, it was just some weird freak accident. In fact, some people thought that it was more likely a sea turtle had attacked him instead of a shark. A sea turtle? Mm -hmm. They thought that they were, with their beaks and stuff, that they were more likely to nip out at people and cause some severe damage. But, uh, yeah. It, It was a shark, but regardless of what the experts thought that they thought it was just some random freak accident. And so the beaches remained open for the holiday and all was well and good until July 6th came around. And now we find ourselves in the town of spring Lake, New Jersey, which is about 50 miles up the coast from our last destination. Mm-hmm. And here we are introduced to a Mr. Charles Bruder, who is a 27-year-old bellhop working at a local resort hotel. Now, Bruder was a fantastic swimmer, and he loved going out to the beach. And on his lunch break on the 6th, 
he decided that he was going to take a quick swim out to the surf, cool off a bit. He swam out about 120 meters into the water, which was technically beyond what the safe zone was. He was too far out. But Bruder was known for doing this a lot, and he was a competent enough swimmer that it really wasn't much of concern to any of the lifeguards. They would just keep an eye on him. Mm -hmm. And... It was at this time that several beachgoers began to see him struggle out in the water and begin shouting. And some claim to have seen his body flung up into the air and that some even thought that he must have been in a red canoe that I've capsized because the water was so red. Oh, God. <laughs> Once the lifeguards arrived out on the boat, they pulled him out of the water and noticed that his abdomen had been bitten by something and that both of his legs had been severed at the knees. And oh, so it, like, hit him, bit him. Yes. Hit, both of his legs were gone. And the water was just stained red and so they rushed back to the shore and on the way Charles Bruder while he was still conscious informed the lifeguards that it was a shark that had attacked him and then he passed out he was dead before they reached the shore wow this was much more of a public event because it was the middle of the day at a high-end resort, and this is the second time it's happened. Boom, it just blew up. The death of Charles Bruder, it, people began to lose their minds. And in fact, several newspapers, including the Washington Post, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the San Francisco Chronicle, all put the shark attack as front page news, which at the time was usually reserved for news from World War One. So, yeah, just insane because of how gruesome it was and just unheard of. Mm. The resulting media panic caused the tourism industry to just collapse because now everyone was scared to go into the ocean. On July 8th, the American Museum of Natural History in New York had to convene a press conference to try and calm people down by explaining just how rare these attacks were and try to convince people that it was not risky to go into the ocean. Um, but just to be safe, you should stay close to shore and uh, maybe stay inside these newly netted in areas on the coast that we've built up. But yeah, they really downplayed it. Um, strangely enough, out of the three experts, quote-unquote, that they brought on to talk about the dangers or rarity of the danger that sharks posed, uh, mm -hmm. only one of them was a, I think it's ichthyologist, is someone who studies fish. Um, the other two were... Ornithologists, which are people that study birds, mm 
but um what then why are we making statements about sharks one of them was like the head of the museum and the other one you know he just knows things i guess but um yeah a lot of people didn't know a whole lot of stuff about sharks so i guess you just grab anyone who can say something try to calm people down get them back in the water so that way the economy doesn't collapse for these coastal cities huh. uh, so yeah people were uneasy but they began to quiet down a little bit um kind of an uneasy piece really no one was going back in the water to the same scale but you know they had been convinced that yeah it was just some rare freak accident and now we get to what really makes this event cemented into the tales of history what really makes it iconic if that's the word appropriate for this situation on July 12th again less than a week after these last attacks uh, we find ourselves in the small town of Matawan, New Jersey, about 30 miles up the coast from Spring Lake. Here, people, of course, had heard about the shark attacks, like everywhere else in the nation. But they're not too scared, because while they are near the coast, Matawan is actually two miles inland from the Raritan Bay which is the body of water just south of New York City, to give you an idea of where it is. But yeah, there's a creek in Matawan, the Matawan Creek, and you got to go two miles till you get to the ocean. So, you know, you're safe there. But on July 12th, a fisherman named Thomas Contrell reported to a policeman that he had seen a shark swimming in the creek that was at least eight feet long. But no one believed him because we're way too far inland. There's no way a shark can swim this far. And why would it want to? There's nothing up here. Well, if people had taken it more seriously, perhaps things might have been different. But on that afternoon, a boy named Lester Stilwell, who was 11 years old, had just gotten out of work at the basket factory. Child labor was still a thing. He and his buddies, they got off work early because of the heat, and so they decided that it'd be a good idea to go swimming in the creek to cool off. Oh, no. And while they were swimming, at about 2 o'clock, they noticed a shadow in the water that they thought was probably just a log or a pile of trash just floating in the river. But then the dorsal fin, the iconic image of a triangle rising out of the water, <laughs> they saw it and their worst fears became a reality. The boys rushed to get out of the water. But unfortunately, Lester was dragged underwater before his friends could do anything about it. The other boys, they raced into town to try and get an adult to help them. And 
they're, they're in there yelling about a shark having attacked them. And the townspeople, they didn't really think it was a shark. Uh, they thought, one, the boys were probably just pulling a prank. Or mm -hmm. two, more serious option they thought, well, the most serious situation that they could have thought was that Lester was having like an epileptic seizure or something and had just gone under the water thrashing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a risky enough situation, so they hustled in to try and see what was going on. And so one man, a 24-year-old named Watson Stanley Fisher, he dove into the creek to look for Lester's body. And he, when he ultimately found the body, Lester was already dead. And so he began to make his way out of the water. And in front of all of the townspeople, the shark attacked Stanley. Mm. It bit his right leg, causing Stanley to drop Lester's body. And he began to fight back, but it wasn't until the other townspeople there began beating at the shark with boat oars that it managed to let go. And when they pulled Stanley out of the water, he was missing about 10 pounds of flesh from his oh. leg. Oh. And they rushed him to the hospital where, unfortunately, he bled out a couple of hours later. But yet the day is not over. About no. half a mile further upstream, there was another group of boys swimming in the creek. And of course, they had not heard about the attacks yet. And about 30 minutes after Stanley was attacked, a 14-year-old boy named Joseph Dunn, who was visiting his family from New York City, he was getting into the creek and he had just barely gotten into the water off of the docks when the shark attacked him. Ow. He was very lucky and fortunate. The shark is really far inland. Yeah, it's unheard of. But Joseph was lucky and fortunate enough to be close enough to other people that he was managed to be saved by the other boys and his brother. Uh, they managed to grab him before they, before Joseph went underwater, and they began engaging in a bout of tug of war with the shark over Joseph. Mm. They managed to get him free. Left leg was severely damaged, but miraculously, none of his major arteries had been severed in his leg. So he was able to survive long enough to get to the hospital where they had to amputate the leg. Wow. Joseph took several months to recover in the hospital from his injuries, and he was the only survivor from that day. So to put it simply, three people were attacked, two of them being children in a river miles from the ocean. And in less than two weeks, four people total had been killed. And I wonder if it was the same shark that, like, I mean, obviously in the river it was the same shark, right? That's what everyone thought, was that there was one shark 
going up the coast towards New York City that had gotten the taste of people on its mind and was just mercilessly going and attacking anyone who happened to be unfortunate enough to be in the water with it. But, like you were saying, in Matawan, where three people got attacked with less than a couple hours of each other, they're two and a half, three miles up a creek from the actual ocean. If you can get attacked that far inland, nowhere is safe in the water. And so, yeah, people, again, lost their minds even worse than before. The mayor of Marwan put out a $100 bounty for anyone that killed a shark in the creek. And people went out as, like, gangs, like vigilante posses. And they just took to the boats, armed to the teeth, with spears, harpoons, guns. Some even took out sticks of dynamite to just kill any shark they happened to find. They were also searching the river to try and find the remains of Lester, who... Mm -hmm had been unfortunately dropped during the second attack. President Woodrow Wilson even had to convene a cabinet meeting in order to discuss what the federal government could do to protect people from sharks. Um, In this meeting, it was proposed that the Coast Guard just arm up a bunch of boats and just start sailing up and down the coast shark hunting, basically. Um, That didn't happen, but they, they were just trying to throw anything at the wall to see what stick. Uh, it took two days to find Lester's body. It had drifted several hundred feet downstream. Mm-hmm. And on that same day, July 14th, a man by the name of Michael Schleiser. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's how you pronounce that. But yeah, Michael Schleiser. He was out shark hunting, like everyone else in that part of the world. And he managed to find a specimen in the Raritan Bay that was seven and a half feet long, which was about the size that everyone was looking for. Mm -hmm. So he began to try and catch it. But in the struggle, his boat almost capsized and he ended up having to kill it using a broken oar, like... He almost died trying to do this. But uh, when he managed to reel in the fish, what came out of the water was a 350-pound great white shark. Whoa. And when he cut it open, he claimed to find 15 pounds of human flesh and bones in its stomach, thus ending the search for the Matawan man-eater, which is what they came to call it. Even though they caught the shark, supposedly, uh, the panic continued throughout the summer. But for the rest of the summer, only three other shark attacks were reported in the U.S. And none of them were really very serious. They're like minor cuts on their ankles and whatnot. Um, 
and it was not until October that there was another fatal shark attack. And that one really doesn't count because it was provoked. Okay. Um, he was out fishing and a shark got caught in his net. And so he tried to kill the shark and the shark won. So, but uh, yeah, that's the infamous story of the 1916 New Jersey shark attacks. Dang. I just want to know how that shark got that far up the creek. And, like, why it was that far up the creek. Yeah, uh, that has caused some debate because uh, it was a great white shark that was caught. And, you know, that's the shark that has stuck in the cultural mindset as the ferocious creature of Jaws fame and the like but uh, there has been some debate over whether or not it was a great white shark doing this because it was in a creek which is fresh water most sharks cannot go into fresh water Uh, the bull shark is famously one that can so it's theorized that it was possibly two different sharks um, yeah. Or maybe three, because who knows if the first two events were connected or not. But, um, yeah, so there is that kind of debate. But there's been some experts that have gone and looked and said that possibly the tides in Matawan Creek on the day of the incidents... Um, that there was enough salt in the water because of tides from the ocean that a great white shark would have survived if it had gone up the river. But yeah, you know, we never know because it's not like we can really go back and fact check that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. The Matawan man eater was stuffed and it was like put up in a display case in New York City for a bit, but it's long since been lost and really honestly probably destroyed. Mm-hmm. And there's only one known photograph of it that exists to this day. So, who knows? But, and there's also some people that claim that uh, Michael Schleiser, the guy that caught the fish um he was a guy who worked for the circus and so maybe he was trying to pull some shenanigans and maybe he planted human remains to try and get a big reward for having caught the fish but uh, nobody knows yeah, we'll probably never know either. Um, Unless someone develops a time machine. Yeah, that's true. But, um, yeah, it was completely insane. Uh, people, even though shark attacks have increased over the years as... People interact with the ocean more, and 
go out to places where sharks are and overfish the oceans and all sorts of stuff that puts us in contact and more likely on the menu. Uh, even with all of that, these two weeks in July 1916 is the most fatal stretch of time in U.S. history in terms of shark attacks. And, like I said, it's demonized the great white shark in the minds of all Americans. And, and even with shark attacks becoming more frequent, people have not ever truly lost their minds in the same way that they did back in 1916. Because mm-hmm. it, it was just dominant. It was the only thing people could talk about. I mean, you said that they didn't even think that sharks, like, attacked people, right? Like, they literally thought it was fertile. Yeah. So, like, I can't imagine, like, living your life thinking sharks don't ever, like, interact with people. And then all of a sudden, in two weeks, like, four or five people die from a shark attack. Yeah. That must be insane. Yeah. I mean... Really, the closest we've gotten to that in terms of just a media circus surrounding shark attacks is Mm -hmm. the summer of 2001, which has come to be known as, quote, the summer of the shark. Uh, It's it's a similar thing. Fourth of July weekend, an an eight-year-old boy was attacked and... Everyone went crazy, and every subsequent attack of that summer uh, Mm -hmm. added fuel onto the fire, even if they weren't that serious. It was just everything. That was all people could talk about was, there's more shark attacks. Shark attacks are going up. It's dangerous to go in the water. And uh, it really escalated whenever there were two fatal attacks within like three days of each other right at the start of September. Mm-hmm. And if you do the math at that point, shark attacks were the number three thing in terms of total time that the news had devoted time to. The first was forest fires in like California and stuff. And the second one was like a missing person case slash political scandal sort of deal. Um, mm-hmm. And then number three, where the sharks are killing us all. But uh, I think the second fatal shark attack was on September 3rd. And uh, all the media about shark attacks suddenly stopped whenever 9-11 happened, understandably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that it's safe to say that if 9-11 had not happened, that it would have just continued on until people stopped going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that people forget that happened because of course 9-11 is such a big event. So, yeah. Uh, but nowadays I would argue that shark attacks, I, I mean, not shark attacks, but just sharks in general, have become less scary. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because of 
movies like Jaws, which is kind of counterintuitive because Jaws is all about sharks being scary. But people watching that movie become interested in sharks, so then they become scientists and people study sharks. It's a pop cultural thing. And Mm -hmm. our science gets better because of it. And then they can put out better information that humanizes sharks a bit more, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like you're talking about Shark Week earlier. It's been going on since the 80s. Like, it's the longest running cable show programming in the history of television. Oh. Um, And, you know, yeah, Baby Shark now. We got Bruce from Finding Nemo, Fish Are Friends, Not Food. (laughs) Uh, Bruce is actually, he got the name Bruce because that's the name of the mechanical shark that they used in the first Jaws movie. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, and there's also been like, sharks have become, a lot of species have become threatened or endangered because of overfishing or shark fin soup is like a big cultural item that people point out is killing sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some places, you know, governments in like Australia and stuff have from time to time issued shark culling orders, which is where you just go out and kill sharks and get paid to just kill sharks. Wow. Why? Because people view them as dangerous. Yeah, and it's... So- in some parts of the world, you know, they can't be a problem just because they're so plentiful and yeah, there's I think true. Australia, South Africa, and the United States are the big areas where there are a whole lot of shark attacks. Um, I think the U.S. has had the most um, over, like the whole time we've been keeping track maybe but um Australia is a big place there's a lot of shark attacks there Mm. um but yeah that's the shark episode Hmm. I'm glad I picked sharks What, what was your uh, most interesting thing from this episode? Um, probably the shark swimming two miles up the creek. Yeah. Kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, how did it get there? And how was it okay enough to, like, attack people? Attack multiple people. It, you yeah. Know, you'd think that you'd attack one person and just be fine with it. But it was just going to town literally um but yeah if we are under the assumption that it was one shark that killed all of these people uh it would classify as a man eater and i think it's one of the top 
10. You know, it's one of the top individual animals in terms of number of people that has killed. Oh. Directly responsible. Um, but it's the only fish. Um, if you're worried about man-eaters, you need to be worried about lions and tigers and crocodiles. <laughs> are really, those are the... Crocodiles, I think, are number one as a species. And I think tigers are maybe number two. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got crocodiles that... I think there's one crocodile in, like, Uganda that has killed maybe 300 people or something. How do they know it's the same one? Because it's big enough, I guess. Oh. To where you recognize, I think it has like a name and everything. Mm. Um, wow. And there's been like lions that have killed like over a hundred people because it was like back in the 1800s or something. Mm. Um, but yeah, sharks are relatively safe. Yeah. Uh, you can, you're, I mean, there's still big fish that will bite you if you get too close, but, uh... You're still not gonna catch me swimming around sharks. Oh, come on. You, we gotta do the, where you get in a cage with them, you know? Oh, no. No? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Ah, oh, come on. It's totally safe. They're shark-proof. Mm, nope. <laughs> I will do one of those things where you, like, go to the aquarium, like, when there's, like, touch pools. Mm-hmm. I'll touch, like, a little baby shark. And those are, like, those sharks don't have teeth or nothing. They're not going to bite you. <laughs> you, you gotta, you, you know, you have, you know, shark cages, but then there's also, like, uh, some places where you just, like, scuba dive, and yeah. there's, like dozens of sharks around you and they're all just minding their own business and stuff mm, no <laughs> no like enough about sharks to like not be like i'm not afraid that just any ocean that i go into is going to automatically like have a shark that's going to eat me uh-huh but i do not see myself Put it, purposely putting myself in a situation where I could be eaten by a shark, or even bit, even just bit by a shark. Yeah, I don't think it'd like eat me, eat me. I feel like it would just bite me. Yeah. But mm, no, no. <laughs> uh, all right. A lot of money. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and end it for today's episode. Uh, Hopefully, the listener, you enjoyed this topic. Uh, and if you did, please tell your friends about us. Uh, we always love to have new listeners to the show. And if this was your first episode, welcome. But as always, I put resources down in the show notes for people that want to go dig a little deeper into the subject. Go watch the Jaws movie for research, you know. Uh, our instrumental music is by Mountaineer. You can find their music and more on upbeat.io. As always, we want to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on occupied land that rightfully belongs to the Kiowa, Comanche, Tonkwa, and other indigenous peoples. If you have any questions, 
suggestions for future episodes or you just want to say hi, you can reach out to us at History Spelunkers. That's history, S-P-E-L-U-N-K-E-R-S at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for coming down the rabbit hole with me. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Fun fact about Jaws moving. Uh-huh. Um, do you, again, it might be blurry for you, but do you remember the scene where they're down in, like, the water examining the wreckage of the boat? Mm-hmm. No. No. Well, that's one of the scenes is they're checking out the boat wreckage and... That's where they find a bunch of shark teeth. And that's like, oh my god, this is a huge shark. Uh-huh. Um, and then, like, a dead body floats out. But whatever. Uh, uh-huh. But that scene was, like, one of the last ones they filmed. Because they're like, we need to have some more suspense building and scary stuff. And so... Um, they filmed it in Steven Spielberg's pool. <laughs> they like sunk down a prop though for him to like scuba dive down and pluck out teeth from. But they're like, it's a chlorine pool. It's you know, it's not gonna look like the ocean. So they literally dumped gallons of milk into his pool in order to make it like murky. <laughs> and so you couldn't see the walls of the pool. <laughs> That must have been, like, horrible to clean up. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure he hired people to do that, but... Yeah. Still. But that's behind-the-scenes movie magic for you.